When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your Truthiest Life. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. It's your host, Lisa Haim. To my loyal listeners, welcome back. I love you so much. And to my new people, hello, I'm Lisa Haim, Lisa Haim on Instagram, the host of this podcast. We put out new episodes every Friday or so. I've gotten great feedback on the bonus episode that I did talking about my relationship to my husband, Evan, and how I deal with his crazy hours. And I hear you that you want more on relationships, effective fighting, all the stuff that I've learned the hard way. This week, we have a great episode coming up. It's with my friend Lauren Bongiorno, who is an amazing health coach and type 1 diabetic herself. Lauren has transformed and is transforming diabetes management, and I think her story is incredible. She was diagnosed with diabetes at age 7, and just take a second to think about what you were doing at age 7, what your relationship to food was like. And then take a second to imagine that every single thing you ate had to be recorded. And every time you ate, you had to measure your blood sugar before and after. And you had to inject yourself with insulin in order to level out those blood sugars. And so type 1 diabetes is very misunderstood. We're going to learn all about it. But imagine what that does to your childhood experiences, your relationship to food, your relationship to body, your relationship to anything spiritual, like even God. It must feel so unfair in that moment to just not be able to be normal. And yet Lauren has turned what was probably the most difficult diagnosis of her life into a huge 
business, first of all, she's just beyond incredible. But the business that she's creating, she's talking about diabetes in a way that nobody is talking about it. And she's providing tools that nobody's talking about. And by doing so, she's really changing the way healthcare approaches diabetes. And it's so cool to see a woman who was handed something unfair, so difficult at such an early age, turn it into something that is impacting thousands of people so far. And I know she's going to keep impacting more. It's going to turn into millions and billions. You'll hear that she just has all those elements in her brain when it comes to personal experience, passion, business, and then most importantly, the tools, the holistic tools that nobody's talking about when it comes to the individual with an illness. So this episode is for really anybody, but if you've got diabetes, if you know somebody that has diabetes, if you know anyone struggling with an illness. She has such a different approach to tackling it and kind of working with it rather than trying to escape it. That is just so humbling. And this woman is, uh, she's just got all of my respect. So thanks for being here. And let's jump into this episode with Lauren. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. It's your host, Lisa Haim. And today I'm joined by a very old friend, Lauren Bongiorno, who I've had the privilege to watch really blossom by way of social media. I mean, I think I've known you for about five or so years and you've just transformed and become such a business lady. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I still love living in my uh, leggings and sweatshirt and athleisure wear. So um, I might not look like a business lady on the outside, but I like to think on the inside I am. (laughs) Well, it's been interesting to just kind of watch, you know, when I met you, we met through social media. I don't even know how, but uh, you were, I think, just teaching yoga and maybe doing some health coaching on the side. And what you shared on social media was more vague. And then obviously now you're really narrowed in on your trade and what you're good at from the inside out. And it's just been interesting to watch you go so macro and then funnel in and be so successful at your niche. So... Congrats. Thank you. And honestly, Lisa, like in those, on those initial times that we knew each other and back, if you scroll down to my content, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was kind of just following the things that I knew brought me happiness, but I couldn't see how it all led to this bigger purpose that I felt was a calling inside of me. And it's, I didn't know what the end result was, but I knew to just keep doing yoga and talking about yoga and mindfulness and the diabetes piece, which obviously now I own, you know, I'm a founder of a, of a company that's kind of disrupting the diabetes healthcare space. It initially wasn't part of the plan. And so I think that, you know, when you follow the things that you're most passionate about, things just kind of unfold themselves when the timing is right. And I think that's a lot of what happened to me. Wow. I mean, to hear you say the words disrupting diabetes care and healthcare And the big things that you're doing because you're living through this truth is just amazing. So the reason I wanted to have Lauren on is because, you know, her story is shaped by type 1 diabetes, which we're going to hopefully get into in just a second. But obviously, to take such a lifelong struggle and turn that into not just shaping everybody you come in contact with life, but also changing the system at which healthcare operates is so huge. So to me, that's somebody living their most authentic life. And I'm sure it's not always easy because it comes from such an emotional place. You know, it'd be nice to sometimes be able to table your diagnosis, your diabetes and say, you know, I'm just a normal person or I just like yoga and wellness, but diabetes I also have. But you're like, no, this this is how diabetes fits into wellness. And this is why wellness needs to consider 
these different things. So let's just start with, I feel like the basis, you are a type one diabetic out the door. You know, I'm familiar, but what is the difference between type one and type two? Because for everyone listening, they're going to be like, my grandma has diabetes. My uncle has diabetes might have type one, but let's kind of get clear on the difference. Yeah. And I so appreciate you be, uh, asking that question because a lot of people do lump the two together and there are similarities. It has to do with blood sugar control, but type one diabetes is different than type two in that it is an autoimmune disease. So you are born with this predisposition and then your body attacks your islet cells, which live in your pancreas, which produce insulin, which is responsible for balancing your blood sugar. So think of it like a seesaw when you eat your blood sugar rises, or if you're stressed, your blood sugar rises, and then your body releases insulin to bring it back down to normal with type one diabetes, your body does not do that. Uh, with type two diabetes, your body still produces insulin, but doesn't do it as effectively. And so um, that is often triggered by lifestyle genetics um, and is way more manageable uh, than, than type one itself. So, so type one, you're essentially born with type two is a result of lifestyle factors, as well as a whole host of things that kind of happen usually later in life. So usually people who are type one are diagnosed below the age of what, 20, 30? So ironically enough, when I was first diagnosed, when I was seven, they referred to type one diabetes as juvenile diabetes because they attributed or really just thought that exactly what you just said, that most likely people who get diagnosed with type one are under the age of 20 are, are younger. And now we see, you know, people who are in their fifties or even sometimes in their sixties getting diagnosed with type one and their body just doesn't, you know, attack itself until that later age. And there's a big problem there because a lot of times people go to the doctor uh, and doctors assume, oh, they're just older. Let me just write them off their type two. And so they're misdiagnosed and that could lead to a lot of complications and um, being seriously ill before getting that type one diagnosis. Mm. So type one and type two are obviously both serious and require proper management. But in type one, you have no ability to get the sugar out of your blood. And in type two, you have limited ability to get the sugar out of your blood. Exactly. Type two is almost like you just need a little bit more help to get that insulin activated. Mm -hmm. And with type one, if we don't take insulin through a shot or through an insulin pump, which is what I'm on, uh, we, we don't live, we die. <laughs> so that would be unfortunate, obviously. And it's obviously more serious um, and why we had to take care of ourselves. And, you know, when I was first diagnosed and when many people are first diagnosed, there's a scary element to it. There's a lot of fear around, like you have to take care of yourself. And if you don't, there are these complications that could happen later on in life that ha that can happen. And when you're seven years old or, you know, whenever you're diagnosed, you think, oh, later on in life, that's like 20, 30, 40 years ago, like I'm fine. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is when your blood sugars are not regulated from day to day, depending on the severity of, of that and how well, how maybe not well they, they are managed, um, it's very hard to live with, right? You have constant like headaches and nausea and mood swings and your energy is down, you can't focus. And so for you to be the best mom or the best sister or the best wife or husband, or, you know, doing what you are doing at work or contributing just to life and living happy and fulfilled, uh, if your diabetes isn't in control, it makes it really difficult to be able to be that best version of you and, and reach what we, you know, like to say your limitless potential. So let's just start with you were diagnosed at age seven. How long did you experience symptoms for? What were your symptoms? What was getting that diagnosis even like? 
Yeah, so a lot of um, the common symptoms of a type 1 diagnosis that you want to look out for are frequent urination, drinking a lot of water. I just shared this story on Instagram the other day. I remember being at a friend's birthday party and seeing their pool outside and everybody was singing happy birthday to my friend, I guess, in the class. And I remember staring at the pool being like, I want to drink that whole thing. And I just had that vivid memory. And like, that's how I get described. It's not like, oh, I'm thirsty after workout. It's like, you just want to consume all the water you possibly can. Weight loss is a big thing. So when I was seven, I was already, you know, really, really small. And I had lost, you know, 20, 30 pounds. Uh, So my mom knew, my parents knew something was wrong. And then they brought me to my regular doctor. They tested my blood sugar because they knew what to look out for. I'm grateful for that. Um, And then sent me to the ER, which I spent, you know, a week in the hospital. Wow. That must have been a really shaping week, kind of learning how to manage something that requires not just day-to-day care, like a lot of people who are not familiar, you might think, okay, you just take a medication every day or you put the insulin pump on, although you probably didn't start with the insulin pump, but you need to learn what diabetes is, how food affects it, what foods affect it, and the ratio. You need to learn nutrition in terms of carbohydrates and sugar. I mean, that is just so much to digest, no pun intended, for a seven-year-old. I mean, let obviously your parents were, I assume, hands-on, but whatever age you are at, I think yeah, it's a good point. difficult. And, you know, when I was seven, I actually look at it as I don't really remember any other way. I grew up with that. And I think of, you know, people we work with who are diagnosed in their thirties, you have, you know, 30 plus, plus years living your life, maybe not being conscious of those things. And you're now asked to change the whole way you live. And food is so central to our lives. Um, and so that's how that relationship to food comes into play in relationship to yourself and, you know, what's going on in your life and how it is a little bit of a traumatic event or, you know, it, it mm-hmm. is, and you might not view it as that. I know it took me about 18 years to look back at my diagnosis and see how those moments and how my parents spoke to me about what was happening shaped who who I was for the good and maybe, you know, for the lessons that I learned and challenges that I went through later on in life. Yeah. One of my good friends, uh, he was diagnosed in sixth grade. um, Oliver, he's a male. And like, it was just such a marking moment in time and growing up. Like we knew each other since preschool. And I want to have him on the podcast one day, too, to hear about that experience, because I I feel like he felt like such an outsider. And there was all this like shame. I don't know. I'm putting words in his mouth, of course. But it was like all of a sudden he was just one of the cool boys. And then he was, you know, we were visiting him at the hospital and sending cards and in sixth grade, like even as friends, we knew to support him, but we didn't know what it meant at all. It's so much for those around you, your colleagues to digest. And during my dietetic internship, I worked at a hospital in Coney Island for about a minute, but I came across a young girl. She was probably under seven. She didn't speak a lick of English and her mom didn't speak a lick of English. And it was my job to (laughs) educate her on this new diagnosis. And oh my gosh, it just broke my heart. And I put so much time into, you know, finding videos online that she could like understand. And it just, it's so hard at every level, but my heart goes out to, you know, those who don't have English speaking parents in this country who have a child with diabetes, because to learn nutrition, nutrition in another language, the science of food, it's a full-time job for a parent. Would your parents say that? The parents that I know. Yeah. I mean, my parents kept me alive. Right. And looking back, I, I, 
thank my mom like so often because I'm like, wow, I understand now what you were doing. And she would wake up, you know, three, four times in the middle of the night for years just to literally check my blood sugar and make sure I was still breathing. So um, I was like, wow, you know, thinking about in the next few years, you know, uh, having kids, I'm like, I can't even imagine sending me to like a friend's house to have a sleepover or to go away to college, right? Those are very valid things that parents with kids with type one diabetes think about. Um, How do you prepare them to take control of their diabetes so that you feel safe giving them more autonomy, which is, you know, every just natural teenager's desire. And as they grow up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We have one friend who's a mom and the daughter has it and we're out to dinner with her. This is obviously, you know, in the last five years or so, not when your mom was, was doing this for you, but she has an app and she can check her child's blood sugar in real time. And she's obviously constantly <laughs> checking, which obviously isn't very autonomous, but at the same time, um, a teenager or a tween, whatever, or less than even younger than that, isn't going to be responsible about their blood sugar if they're out with friends and, you know, going to the movies and, you know, all the things that spike blood sugar that normal kids can do and their bodies can naturally handle. I would love to talk to your mom one time because it must have been so hard for her to help you feel normal, but then also let go of that at some point for when you went to college and figure out how to do it yourself. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I had from day one, my parents were like, of the mindset, you're not going to let this slow you down. You're going to do everything that you want to do, play soccer in college, you know, go travel, study abroad, do anything that you want to do, as long as you take care of your blood sugars. And there was so much emphasis on just don't let diabetes stop you. And so a lot of my journey and unpacking that I've done in the last several years is realizing that as you know, beneficial as that mindset is, it was damaging in some ways because a huge part of diabetes is slowing down as is a lot of other things in life, mm. right? Is the slowing down to become more mindful, to become aware of what your body is telling you to listen, right? To the signs and to discover your own body's patterns. And so I never wanted to slow down to pay attention to my diet because I was like, I don't want this thing thing to stop me. But through and yoga, how I look at that is my biggest blessing in my life. Like I have so much gratitude for the practice because that was the thing in college that I found that allowed me for the first time to really slow down and connect my mind and body and to see, oh, wow, diabetes isn't this outside thing that you're carrying in your backpack. Like it is you now, it is part of you. And I get chills through my entire body. Like when I say that, because I think that when we have some kind of experience that happens to us, we think of it as happening to us and, and kind of just in that moment. And we don't really see how this is now shaping our future. And the more we become, you know, that intersection between you and your diabetes, the more you find that it is, you're so tied and linked to it and you have to learn how to just go through life with it. I think that's really where a lot of our clients and myself see this just aha moment and unlocking this part of ourselves that we never knew before. Right. It's like these two things that, that are told to us to help us move forward when we get a diagnosis, you know, don't let your diagnosis stop you insert whatever diagnosis that is sounds really positive but you're kind of running from your diagnosis and putting it in your backpack like you said where it doesn't belong it's interesting where we we kind of frame things as a way to help us get through them but when we actually allow them to be part of us only then can we really take the best care of ourselves the, the yeah. other thing that i was going to say is that i guess it's it's like when we think here about a diagnosis we worry that it will become somebody's identity and i don't know mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about the difference between like having it become your identity versus recognizing that it is within you and part of you 
Yes, that is such a great question. So, you know, that acceptance, I think that where the difference is, is the acceptance that this is an area of your life that you have to nurture. And this is a part of your life that is going to consume you. And now you become this, this thing where that is the main thing everybody needs to see about Mm. you. And, you know, with the identity piece, once again, it comes back to my childhood. There's just so much in childhood if you really dig deep, but my parents there, what they said to me and the doctors are like, you're not different. You're not different, right? I didn't go to any special diabetes camps or I didn't really you know, make look for people who had diabetes because it was like, no, Lauren can hang out with the regular kids, the normal kids. And I understand their purpose in that. But if you were to ask me, like, what was the one thing that you wish your parents did differently? It was, I wish they told me you're different and that's okay. And I think that shift alone would have allowed me to lean in more into embracing diabetes and not being so, you know, just shameful about it, especially going into teenage years and and through adulthood and through those Instagram pictures that you used to see me post, like I would hide my insulin pump. I didn't want people to know that I had diabetes because I didn't want them to think I was different because I thought being different was bad. Oh, as recently as the last five years or so. That's super interesting because regardless of that, you've always presented as so secure. I guess you are have always been secure as a person, but maybe there was some insecurity as to how I can show up as a wellness professional and also, you know, have this thing in my arm. I don't know, what is that like? Yeah, it was that I didn't want to be known for diabetes mm. because I didn't want to know myself as that being my main thing because once again, I wanted to just it to just be on the side of my life and not at the forefront. And I had this very defining moment out to dinner once with my friends about five years, four or five, four years ago, about a year into coaching. And I remember being like, I just, all these diabetes people come asking me for health coaching. And like, I don't, I don't want to coach them. I was like, I don't want to, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a health coach for everybody. And one of my friends, she was like, Lauren, like, why aren't you leaning into literally what the universe is like putting on your lap right now? Like, why are you resisting this? And that is when I started doing the deep work of really journaling and meditating on like, why am I pushing this away when like, I almost feel like it's my calling in a way. It's almost like I wasn't able to help the world until I healed that part of myself and that identity part of myself. And, you know, now we've, we have thousands of people who come through our coaching programs and our, our courses, you know, throughout a year basis or, you know, in the past few years. And it's just been this, like, I can't even remember that part of myself that didn't embrace the diabetes piece because healing myself and going through that work allows me to now help my team serve the community of people who are also going through that transition in their life and wanting to help simplify their lives and create a better union between themselves and their diabetes. And the people that you serve, is it type one and type two or just type one? So we've served primarily people with type one diabetes in the rest of 2020, you're going to see some things coming out type two and prediabetes is in the pipeline. But even before that, there are going to be some subsets of type one population that we haven't worked with yet or specifically built out programs for. So we're so excited for that because like you said, diabetes doesn't just affect the people with type one diabetes. It affects everybody from siblings to the parents, to the cousins, to the friends, to you know, just like the school nurses, if there's a child. And so we really want to be able to bridge the gap between everybody and, and help everybody feel more empowered with living with diabetes and what that means. So your team, are they, who are they? What are, what sort of experts are they or what are, what is their role? Or do they have diabetes as well? 
Yeah. So I would say eight people on the team have type one diabetes. And then those who do not have type one diabetes are affected by it in some way. Like they, their child has type one diabetes or they grew up with their best friend being type one diabetes, type one diabetic. And so that is a big thing for me that I realized going into more, I guess, kind of like business end of it is the way that I hired in the beginning was by skill set. It was like, I need somebody just to do these things to outsource. And I think you see a lot of that in companies that go from a small startup and, and growing is just write down on a piece of paper, the things, you know, your zone of genius, your zone of competence, and then, you know, slowly get everything else off your plate and then slowly get the zone of competence off your plate too, because more, you know, it's more time for yourself. And that is the way I did things. And it did not work very well because what we realized is we have such a strong core team where we have very similar values and principles and our company culture. And, you know, we just hired three people last week and they are the most incredible fit, not because of their skill set. Like, yes, of course, because of their skill set and experience, but because of who they are as people and because they're so attached to the mission of our company, which is essentially to redefine diabetes management by helping people take holistic ownership of their health and disrupting the diabetes healthcare space and delivering our intimate and accessible coaching and resources to people and families impacted by diabetes worldwide. And that's a big statement to make. But every day we show up at work and just the smallest wins to the biggest wins, we're like, yes, we're moving forward. We're we're disrupting and we're doing something that hasn't been done before. It's it's just such a good feeling when you have people who are attached to the purpose, um, like my team is. And I'm so grateful for that. Wow. I mean, it's just amazing to hear you say my team and learn that there's so many people that you're employing and are, I mean, more than that, you're just it's just incredible. It's it's a big thing to manage a team and then also create the work that you're doing. So it, you're just a natural leader. And I'm so glad you, you cultivated this part of you that you were kind of watering down for a while or afraid to approach and really did that work. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. This is it. Your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So let's just back up a tiny bit so that we can kind of learn how your form of care is different than perhaps what an endocrinologist, the type of doctor you see when you have diabetes tells you. So your parents really managed everything that you ate and drank and your blood sugar and your insulin up until you went to college, right? Then you go to college and what happens? Yeah. So just to back up a little bit, I would probably say up until I was 14, 15, and that's where I really took on the reins of that. And when you're first diagnosed, and this is, I think, very similar to other diseases and conditions as well, um, you learn a lot of like the survival kit tools on that onset of your diagnosis. And you're meeting with your doctor, you know, two, maybe three times a year, if you're lucky for 20, 30 minutes. And that's not because the doctors don't want to help you. That's just because of the way that the you know, healthcare system is set up that they have so many patients and so many clients. And I'll even argue that it's not their job to know every single ounce of your day and what's going on behind the scenes from your exercise to your nutrition, to your mental health, right? Like we have to take ownership of that. And so when you're first diagnosed with type one diabetes, a lot of the focus is just on nutrition and insulin. Here's how you take your insulin. Here are the you know things to work, to look out for in terms of exercise. And here are foods that you should eat and foods that you shouldn't eat, which, you know, I come from a background of, you know, disordered eating. And so for me, I even look back into that and I'm like, oh, well, I can see how, where that started of here's good foods and here are bad foods. And so there is so much more that goes on behind the scenes. And I really realized that in college because I was so used to forging through, um, I went to school to play division one soccer and I'm trying to keep up with this high collegiate level. And I'm like, whoa, this is the first time I'm realizing that this high blood sugar, this low blood sugar is swinging back and forth all day. I can't just keep pushing forward, I have to figure this out. And so that's when I became really, I'm going to use the word obsessed. And that's not like hyperbole. Like I was obsessed with yoga and working out and understanding my body. I mean, I wrote everything down, every single thing I ate, every ounce of like how many hours of sleep I got and how I was feeling that day, like took journaling to like a very you know high degree there. And that's the thing that allowed me to get crazy good control of my blood sugar numbers. And when I went to the doctor's office and they gave me my A1C result, which is almost like a three month kind of report card number of where your blood sugars have been out for the past three months, they were astounded. They were like, we never see, you know, kids in college have this great of an A1C level. This is insane. And I was getting celebrated for having this amazing number. And meanwhile, I was sitting there like, 
I haven't eaten out with my friends. I am afraid to go to the movies because I don't want to be tempted by popcorn. I work out obsessively seven days a week. And that's like my main hobby. I haven't had my menstrual cycle in four years because I'm under eating um, and overstressing my body. And this, there has to be a better way because I can't live my whole life to this standard. And so that perfectionism in me, like I, it just woke me up in that moment and realized like, I have to find something that's sustainable and that works for my body. And so a lot of times types of clients that we have come to us are clients who have done diets in the past six to, you know, six months to 12 months that are extreme, either keto or extremely high carb, low fat, like 80, 10, 10. And the science, it works a bit, right? Your blood sugars do get in more control, but that's not the question we want to be focusing on. The question is like, how are you in your relationship? Like when you guys eat, like, how are you, how's your sleep? How are your hormones? How are, how is your relationship to food and yourself and, you know, spontaneity in your life um, and traveling? Like that's to me what that holistic health and balance is, because to me, at least it's not worth it to sacrifice so much for a number if I'm not happy. Wow. There's so much there. And I want to have you on <laughs> Outweigh, our other podcast that I co-host with Amy Brown, where I talk all about disordered eating because we could we could dive deep into into this but for everyone listening to kind of back up it's like when your blood sugar is out of whack like you when i eat a let's say a snickers right my blood sugar soars and then it goes back down and three months from now i go to the doctor the doctor doesn't know that that happened that i'm kind of being a little bit like extreme of one time might not affect your your report card but for people that have diabetes you get a report card so to speak every three months where they check the cumulative blood sugar range that you've been hanging out in and so you can't like cheat because it shows up on your report card so lauren showed you know she was able to keep that that hemoglobin a1c which is essentially more important than your day-to-day -day blood sugars which wowed the doctor she was celebrated for and then instead of moving forward with that celebration the doctors told me i'm doing everything right like you actually took that time to say wait a minute yes uh, my hemoglobin a1c is really good but i've lost so much more of my health and wellness and well-being as a result of driving that number down something's got to give that's hard. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that top down medical system approach left me dependent on the advice and expectations of my endocrinologist mm. who was doing her job, but wasn't able to give me and look out for the holistic support that I needed. What else can we do besides see an endocrinologist to manage our let's let's like zoom out for a second, not just diabetes, not everybody listening is going to be you know, have diabetes, maybe they have Crohn's disease or something else autoimmune or that just involves a strict dietary protocol of some sort uh, where you can't be as flexible as, as somebody who has none. You know, where else can you look for signs of I'm nourishing my body and helping myself th get through this illness other than just a good report card from a doctor. Yeah. And I think that is really, you know, we have what we call the together to Lindy community manifesto, which is these seven principles that we in our community kind of, you know, we, we believe and we, we follow. And one of them is to challenge, challenge everything like period. And that challenge, everything really comes from there's a lot of, whether it's doctors or blogs or advice from social media, quote unquote experts, like telling you like how you should feel and what you should do. And there's so much noise, 
right? And I know that's like your your course is Fork mm-hmm. the Noise. And I'm so aligned with that because it's coming down to just quieting the outside and really figuring out what your patterns are. I'm very big on pattern recognition. And as much as I was obsessive in journaling everything in that period of my life, what it really taught me is, is that you can learn a lot when you reflect on your day and what served you and what didn't serve you. Um, And it's just taking a pause, right? We just want to oftentimes move to the next day, especially if we don't feel good. It's like, oh, I ate something today that didn't feel well, or I did something today. I just want to go to sleep, wake up and start over where I really do believe that looking back is actually just as beneficial. And so taking a pause and just asking yourself or journaling, keeping a pad next to your bed and saying like, what served me today? And like, what would I like to maybe crowd out tomorrow? Um, And what you'll start to see is, you know, maybe stressful work conversations, maybe not putting up boundaries, maybe having too much back-to-back meetings, maybe not getting outside at all during the day. So many things beyond just food can influence your health and how you're feeling. And it's really just getting back to the basics, what I believe. Wow. Yeah. And in the very beginning of this, you talked about blood sugar, what makes it rise, eating foods. But you also said when you're stressed, blood sugar goes up. And when you go to the doctor, your endocrinologist, you know, they're talking about nutrition and your insulin pump. And I'm sure there's other things that make your blood sugar go up that are less in your control than just what you eat or how much of it. And so failing to really consider those things, I feel like is where you come in, where you're like, and here's the whole other elephant in the room that we are going to tackle, which is stress management taking care of your body from a nourishing place, not just putting it into overdrive or, you know, all the things that we're kind of taught to do, whether it's related to diabetes or not. So it's so obvious, I put in quotes, you know, that there would be more to the story, but yet you're the first person or the first person I know to really show up as a health coach, as somebody with diabetes and say, we're actually going to talk about so much more than just the food. Like you easily could have come out up with a diet, right? The keto diet, the, the vegan, this diet, you know, I've seen so many things, but then specifically marketed towards diabetes where, like you said, you might get better blood sugar control, at least for a limited period of time or maybe extended period of time. But What else are you sacrificing when you have that great hemoglobin A1C? And that's the part that isn't reported in studies and in conversations and how, you know, disordered eating can be so, I'm sure it's so common in your community. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about research. So right now we're in the middle of doing, um, we have a Georgetown medical student doing a study on the qualitative and quantitative results of our programs and our methodology. And we're going to be, they're going to be trying to get that published. And it's going to be so exciting to have that piece of, you know, research to say, you know, it's more than just nutrition because it so is. And I could list you probably if we sat here at least 50 things that impact your blood sugar beyond food and beyond Um, stress, like even food, you can break it down to the combination of macronutrients. You can break it down to timing of food. You can break it down to your insulin, how much insulin you're giving for that food, your amount of fiber in the food, fats, like all of this that just overcomplicates it and, or makes it seem like it's so out of your control. And so the way I like to say it is when things are oversimplified 
and saying, oh, it's just focus on food, you feel overwhelmed because you know there's something going on behind the scenes. And then when everything is listed out to you of everything that impacts your blood sugar, you also feel overwhelmed and out of control. So what we really do is like, I'm big on education. I think when people and our clients can understand why their body is doing the thing that it's doing, they have a sense of control. And then that real control comes in when they're able to either accept it when maybe it's something that they can't prevent from happening, which there always is, especially with diabetes, a small percentage of that, or identify the pattern and get ahead of it for next time. And so that's what we really do is we help people simplify all of those different factors for their body specifically. Such an interesting approach to really anything, you know, learning why your body is doing something versus the typical approach, which is get ahead of it and don't let it happen. So first it needs to be like, okay, don't let it happen, but we haven't had a moment to learn why it happens or how it happens. So that's even just slowing down. Like in the beginning, you said your parents told you, don't let diabetes stop you, right? So you like ran from it where now it's like, wait a minute, I'm not gonna let diabetes stop me, but I need to learn about diabetes so that it can't stop me. (laughs) Yes. And you know what, Lisa, it's this, I know you have your background in yoga now as well. And it's this, <laughs> it's this sense of compassion, right? It's this, how important it is to have compassion for yourself and realizing that like your body is doing the best it can at all times. And if you're constantly fighting against it and pushing it away, like that just doesn't make sense, right? And it's how so much of so many of us live. We just want to push it away and not listen to the signs. And when we do, it tells us things and that information is so vital. Obviously, a lot of people are applauding you. You have a journal that people can buy and you're being, you know, you're giving these talks publicly. Are you also being met with criticism by the academic or medical community for what you're doing? Do they see it as counter to what they're, they're saying or do they see how it really complements? Yeah, I have to say it's been super positive. We have a coaching alumni group where we bring in an expert speaker every month. And we had a doctor, um, an endocrinologist come in uh, in January. And she was just like, I'm blown away by how well they know their bodies because I never meet with clients and or patients that know their body this well after you know going through our program, but so willing to collaborate as well. And so one thing that we're looking to do is, is really make and build more relationships with experts outside of our coaching expertise. So our coaching is based on a lot of MI, so motivational interviewing, a lot of behavior change. And with that, we understand that there's a need for endocrinologists and um, certified diabetes educators and functional nutritionists and mental health professionals. And when we talk about disrupting the space, it's not disrupting the diabetes healthcare space to recreate something from the ground up. It's to insert our coaching company to be a consistent player within the other expertise that you may come across if you have diabetes. So um, when we have clients as well, we sometimes, um, I have four coaches on my team and for all of our clients, sometimes we'll, we'll speak with an endocrinologist and of, of that client and they're thrilled. They're like, oh my gosh, we haven't got her A1C down, you know, in years. 
you know, here's her background. Like, how are you helping her right now? Like, this is amazing. They're so grateful because they really, doctors do have good intentions. They might just not have the time or the resources to give everybody the individual attention that they need. That's awesome. I'm so glad that is how it's being well received. I know that's how Evan, my husband would definitely see it. Um, but I know sometimes when doctors just hear the word holistic, they don't know what it means or they think it means something that it doesn't, or maybe sometimes it does mean something that they are not in alignment with. But I think there's so much under that umbrella that can be dismissed as, you know, not being supported by research and woo woo or whatever. But it's really cool that especially endocrinologists are recognizing, hey, we have a void on time. This is where you come in. So are your programs like one to one? Like, is everybody getting paired up with a coach specifically? So our signature coaching program is the Decide and Conquer Bootcamp, and we run it three times a year, and it's created by women with type 1 diabetes for women with type 1 diabetes. And so our current class is running right now, and we have 43 women in the program, and we're currently enrolling for our next uh, our next cohort already. And so that group coaching, I thought, would be so much less valuable than a one-on-one setting. Like when I first started coaching, I had like 30 one-on-one clients at a time. That's a whole other story as well with my own health and not taking care of myself because that wasn't good for burnout. But surprisingly, the group coaching adding that community element to it, I don't think I valued because I never really experienced that growing up, but seeing how it's a container for them to be able to encourage each other and to share and learn from each other and to really feel connected and heard and seen by people that maybe they're, you know, haven't in their entire life that diabetes felt that level of connection is absolutely incredible. And that is why I'm a huge believer in in that group coaching setting. We also have one-on-one programs as well, but more than not, people end up in the Decide and Conquer Bootcamp. Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. And yeah, I know from my programs as well that, you know, I didn't do the group thing either, but the group just changes everything. It's amazing to see people show up for each other and the validation that comes from it. And oftentimes I'm like stepping back and my students are stepping in for each other, which, you know, is fantastic. So do you have uh, women of or women and men of all ages? Yeah. So uh, right now I would say primarily we serve women ages 21 to 45. I would say that's the bulk of who's coming through. But for the past couple of months, we've really been working on uh, additional resources so we can expand and serve people who are, you know, families who are just have a diagnosis, um, as well as people who are 50, 60, who get diagnosed later on in life, um, specifically for them. Um, and then men as well, we do have some men come through, not as much as women. Uh, we are looking for a, uh, a male coach. So if anybody out there listening, um, specifically, we're actually going to be expanding to personal training as well to serve our clients um, with some um, exercise programs to increase their insulin sensitivity. So um, we're looking for a male personal trainer to, to join the team, as well as a functional uh, nutritionist. So if anybody's listening, <laughs> please reach out. But yeah, it's it's definitely a variety of people and with all different you know, reasons for why they're coming, some to lower their blood sugars, others to improve the relationship with food, others to understand their body better, but all around integration and transformation and going deep with their diabetes that they haven't been able to have a process to do before. And this might be a silly question, but is it covered by insurance by chance? 
So we have three coaches on our team, including myself, who are nationally board certified, which is the highest certifi- certification you can have for um, health coaching. Um, and so in actually this month, we are going to be having codes for insurance, uh, which is a huge, huge, huge step. As of right now, I think Aetna is the only one that has helped our clients out. That's awesome. I'm just excited for that. And it's just such an easy way to talk to endocrinologists and doctors and say, you know, let your pa- patients know about this great program. Obviously, people are more willing to try something if it's covered by insurance, but there's also something about putting your money down and investing in yourself for three months that, you know, goes really far uh, motivationally, internally motivationally. Oh, absolutely. That internal validation, having some stake in the game really does make a difference. That is awesome. And you're, you're, so you're affecting people with type one diabetes all over the world. Is that how this is going? <laughs> yeah, this is how it's going. So we have clients in our current bootcamp. We, I mean, in all our bootcamps, we've had somebody in um, Egypt, we've had somebody oh in uh, you know, Australia from, you know, all across Europe, Canada, we have a lot of people from Canada. And that's, I think, what I think is the coolest thing because we have definitely noticed that even though insulin pricing um, isn't as much of an issue or medical coverage in general outside the U.S., there is definitely a decrease of what we're noticing in the education that people are getting. Um, and so we find that those people who are coming to us, there's a little bit more of that education gap than somebody who is diagnosed in, in the U.S. Um, and that's nothing that I have you know, definite research on. It's just some observations we've been making. So just to kind of wrap up here, what are the biggest myths about diabetes or what are two of the biggest myths? Let's choose two. Okay. The first one is that diabetes is caused by eating too much sugar, uh, especially type one diabetes. That's not how it's caused. It's just your body attacks itself. You have a form of this predisposition. And the second one is that only thing you have to do to control your diabetes is to eat less sugar and less carbs. (laughs) It's way more involved than that. So if you ever know somebody with type one diabetes, you know, give them an extra, give them an extra hug and just be like, I know you're doing a lot. (laughs) And this is kind of the same question, but a little bit different. But what stigma is there around type 1 diabetes? So what sort of emotional shame do people feel thinking that other people view them as a certain way? Yeah, I mean, I I know that a lot of our clients, like whenever they're going on job interviews, like they won't disclose that they have diabetes mm. because of that fear. And like I said, you know, I played Division One soccer in college, and I did everything I could to, you know, th- throughout that process, not let anybody know my coaches and whoever was scouting me um, know that I had diabetes. And so I think that the biggest stigma is that you know if you have diabetes, that you're a liability. And here's the thing, though, Lisa, and this is a little bold for me to say, but it's the more you take care of your diabetes, the less of a liability you are in that sense, because, you know, if your blood sugars are so uncontrolled, like it is hard to focus. It is hard to maybe show up for work on some days. And I think that's why I'm so you know passionate about this is because I don't want diabetes to slow you down, but we have to slow you down first to not let diabetes do that. You're doing amazing work. And I'm so thankful that you really have leaned into the part of you that knows exactly how to help people and didn't shy away from it. And I'm, I'm so glad for that friend of yours who, you know, saw it in you and said, Lauren, help people. And it's just amazing to see what you've created and this team and then the thousands of people that you've impacted already. And it's clear that you're going really big places and will, if not already have, it's clear that you're going to disrupt diabetes on a national, international level when it comes to management and healthcare. So my hat is off to you, my love. 
Thank you. I so appreciate you. Thank you for having me on and thank you for everybody for listening. Thanks. We'll put all of Lauren's information below and how you can learn about her programs or send it to a family member, or perhaps you know a doctor or endocrinologist that would really benefit from knowing about this and being able to offer it to their clients. So all that information is below. And thank you so much, Lauren. We'll chat soon. Thank you, Lisa. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.